0: When Angela was 16, she had a crush on an older man, so she wrote a poem about him.
1: My ode to Harrison Ford. My love sweats. He grunts. This is our desire, this pure man, this untouched, uncensored man. He always wears a belt.
2: <laughs> That's
0: Angela reading a poem about her teenage crush, Harrison Ford. I'm Dan Meisner, and this... This is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids. Hello, how are you doing? <laughs> this is a show where we go back in time to remember the good, the bad, and the awkward parts of growing up. This time, recorded live in Ottawa, we have an angry letter addressed to math, a list of criteria for dating boys, and adventures in bumper hitching. This stuff is weird, it is wonderful, awkward, and awesome. And it can also help us understand who we are today. So think about who you were when you were a kid, and stick around. A big part of growing up is figuring out who you are, understanding where you came from, what you stand for, and how you fit into the world. And I think writing can help us figure this stuff out, especially when we write about ourselves. Our next reader, Susan, grew up in the 1950s. And when she was 13, Susan's teacher told everyone in the class to write an autobiography. And Susan began hers with a little historical context.
3: The year 1939 was a hectic one. The Germans were overrunning France and Austria. It was then I came into the world on February 2nd. I don't remember very much of my childhood days until I was in grade two. It was then I first had to wear glasses. How I hated them. I was teased blue in the face, so off they went But the teacher took pity on me, and I was hauled to the front of the class, and the glasses stuck on my nose. Now, doesn't Susan look sweet, the dear teacher said. (laughs) I could have killed her. (laughs) Luckily, that was near the end of the year, and I didn't have her too long. But I never forgot her. Actually, I can't remember her name. (laughs) Those years, I was a regular tomboy. I only had three girlfriends, Gail and Leslie Leggett and Mary Blinkenship. Mary and I were never good friends, as we didn't trust each other. And I I still don't. (laughs) All the rest of my friends were boys. Johnny Nelson and I were always together, except when we disagreed on something. Otherwise, we spent happy hours wandering through the woods and fields, riding or attempting to ride any horses we saw. We built forts, stole vegetables, rang doorbells, and scared other kids. There were numerous clubs headed by Johnny and I, the detective club, the ghost club, the animal club, and the courier de bois. The Ghost Club broke up when Cousy, Mr. Cousineau, caught us ringing his doorbell. <laughs> when Cedar Avenue was paved, roller skating became popular. When we weren't roller skating, we were down in Parsons Fields playing with the foals that were kept there. They knew us and they would let us hold their heads in our laps. I think those were some of my happiest days. The only unhappy days I can remember are the recesses and noon hours at school. They were nearly always spent in the corner of the schoolyard. I used to spend my time drawing and soon gathered a crowd of younger children around me. But they were never welcome, as they they usually taunted and bothered me. I soon got the nickname Horse Feathers, which everyone knows was my sister's name. (laughs) As the years passed, I made new girlfriends, and I got further in my artwork and writing. Slowly, slowly, the boys and I began to draw away from each other. Girls got boyfriends, and I wrote and drew pictures. Oh, I had boyfriends, but they never had me, or vice versa. (laughs) It it was vice versa most of the time. (laughs) That is the way I am now. My ambitions are many, but my chances are few. I have, I have always dreamed of getting rich and owning a big riding estate in Mexico. I have many impossible aims, which are to be an explorer, a writer, a bullfighter, a dancer, play the vibes in a band, an actress, an archaeologist, a ruler of a tribe in some jungle or other... <laughs> A spy, a singer, a jockey, catch animals alive, and have a big stud farm. <laughs> the, mo- the most logical ambi- ambition for me, I think, is an artist or to marry a rich millionaire. <laughs> Which sort of happened, I'm an artist. <laughs>
0: If you leave the show at the end of the day and some of your vegetables are missing, I know I know who might have done it. A lot of what people share on our stage is private. Sometimes it's even secret. And I think that's a big part of what can make this stuff funny. It was never intended to be read out loud. And I'm often struck by just how intensely private kids can be about the things that they write and the lengths they'll go to to keep anybody from reading this stuff. For instance, take Allison and the diary she kept in grades 4 and 5.
4: This is Allison's diary. If you read my diary, I will kill you. <laughs> A curse will forever accompany you, causing you pain and death. It is in your best interest to not read this diary. Why did you turn the page? The page... <laughs> The page before this was not lying. A curse will accompany you for the rest of your life. January 19, 2003. My name is Allison, and I'm in grade four. This diary is from my friend Liam from my birthday party at Cosmic Adventures. (laughs) I'm in Mrs. Smith's class. She's the best, and I have a crush on a boy in my class, Jimmy. I think he likes me back, but if he does not like me, then I will like Dan or Troy instead. (laughs) Here is a list of my crushes and why I love them. Jimmy, cute, funny, is single. (laughs) Smells nice, looks soft to hug. Dan, funny, neat, also single. Likes dogs, definitely not ugly. Troy, kind, likes to laugh, pretty hair, but he's not as cool as my other crushes. January 20, 2003. Jimmy smells good and I feel safe around him. The other day we were in class and I told the teacher I was having trouble with the science booklet. Jimmy invited me over to help. I will always remember this act of kindness from Jimmy. February 15, 2003. Screw Jimmy. Dan is my boyfriend now. He's the best and smells better. February 20, 2003. Dan dumped me today. What makes no sense is that one day he loves me, and the next day he called me an effing idiot. It's true! My friends Sam and Noel heard him say it. April 24, 2003. I did not write in here lately, but after Dan dumped me, Jimmy told me he had been jealous and that he likes me. So, we dated. But, then Jimmy dumped me the next day. Since then, I dated Ron, Noah, and Liam. I I know it sounds like a lot, but it's really not when you're trying to find the right boy. Here's a list of every boyfriend I've had. Dan, two weeks, six days, and two hours. Jimmy, one day. Uh, Ron, two weeks and four days. Noah, five days and a half. Liam, one week. October 20, 2003. I am now in grade 5, but I am in a class that has grade 5s and grade 6s. The grade 6s are so hot and old. The grade 5s seem so immature. I will now list all my new crushes. Ethan, funny, in grade 6, also has glasses. Tall, my friends think he must be a good kisser based on how he eats apples. Robbie, Tall, looks old in a hot way. In grade six, sweet, my mom knows his mom. On Halloween, on Halloween day, I left a chocolate with a love note on Ethan's desk. Later that day, my friend told him she knew who left it there, but she would only tell him when it snowed. November 4th, 2003. It snowed, my friend told Ethan at the end of the day, so I do not know his reaction yet. November 10th, 2003. He likes Clarice. Seriously, how could a grade 6 ever like a grade 5? But Clarice likes Tom, not Ethan. I still have a chance with Ethan. (laughs) December 16th, 2003. It's almost Christmas. By the way, I do not like Ethan anymore. I really don't like anyone. Ethan has a girlfriend anyways. I know because I heard him say I'm happy because I have a girlfriend. (laughs) Whatever. Who cares about him? I need to be careful about boys. From now on, here's a criteria I will ask them before we date. Do you stare at me in class? Do you really like me? Do you really, really, really like me? How do you feel when you are around me? Do you like anyone else at all? When do you swear? Will we get married someday? Thank you.
0: I've been hosting live Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids events for years, and we've taken this show all across the country, from coast to coast to coast. And one of the great things about traveling with this show is that I get to learn about local traditions and what you might call regional peculiarities. Like at our Ottawa show, when one of our readers, Glenn, taught me a new word, bumper hitching. I had never heard of bumper hitching before, but as Glenn explained it to me, this is a thing that happens in the wintertime in rural Ontario after it's been snowing. You hide behind a snowbank, and when a vehicle passes by, you grab onto the bumper and go for a ride. So, there's your necessary background. Do you see where this is going? Our next reader, Glenn, got caught by his principal while bumper hitching in grade seven and as punishment was instructed to write a public service announcement about <laughs> bumper hitching. We are going to hear that PSA right now. Please welcome back to the Gorno 3 Things They Wrote us Kid Stage, Glenn.
2: Bumper hitching. It's really fun but it's also dangerous (laughs) bumper hitching can be a lot of fun but if you don't do it right you can get in trouble or die (laughs) you could also scare a driver who could freak out and crash the car and then you'd be really hurt because you'd be in the crash too (laughs) bumper hitching can be dangerous if the person in the car gets mad they could stop, get out, and beat you up (laughs) or they could go fast and onto the highway and just keep driving and you'd be stuck there holding the bumper until you fell off And if you have too many people in the bumper, it could break off and hit you. In the face, like what happened to Barry. If you bumper hitch and they tell your parents you could be in trouble, and if it's a police car, you could get in trouble. So then I came up with ways you could make it safer. Have little skis on your feet instead of boots. You could have one kid be the spotter who decides if it's a good car. Have hand signals for when to let go. Only bumper hitch a school bus because they drive safe. And then teach drivers to be careful if there are kids bumper hitching because it's the drivers. Bumper hitching pros and cons. Cons getting caught, getting hit by the car if it backs up. Pros. It's a fun thing to do with your friends. It's a great way to get around if you don't take a bus or have a car. It's mostly safe if you do it right. It's an activity for girls and boys to do together. I don't know. It's a way to get home if you're in a hurry, and it's a fast way to get away from a robber or a kidnapper. Bumper hitching is really fun, but it's also dangerous. Thank you.
0: Something tells me you didn't stop bumper (laughs) hitching. When Diane was 12, she kept a diary, and at our Ottawa show, she shared a few entries that she describes as both funny and bittersweet. Please welcome to our stage, Diane.
5: So um, this is a diary that I started when I was 12 years old, um, 46 years ago, and it was the first step in a journey that, like many women, I have been on, traveling all my life. April 12, 1970, Dear Diary. Tonight, I weighed myself. I weighted 121 pounds. And it is not just baby fat. It is calypso, raisins, certs, licorice, gum, (laughs) chocolate bars, etc., etc., and etc. I have vowed, with God's help, to shake off at least 25, yes, 25 pounds. But this is not just the same vow I've been vowing for over one and a half years. I mean it this time, and that's why I'm putting it in writing. I know, if I don't, I will just continue saying, well, this little 100 calories won't matter. Tomorrow, I won't eat anything, and I will exercise extra hard tonight. Well, I'm never going to say that again. Soon, or maybe later, boys will like me, and girls will be jealous. (laughs) Summer is coming, and I'm afraid, because summer to me means bathing suits and shorts and tight tops. I doubt very much that this summer I will be really proud of my figure, but at least I may be able to show it. In this notebook, I will put various charts of my weight loss and what I should eat and what I shouldn't. I will staple the calorie chart and I will go get information about weight loss. Each night, like tonight, I will put in what I did today to improve my figure and what I did to ruin it. And every once in a while, I will put in a little article like this when I do a little thinking. Well, wish me luck, Diane Farmer. And then this is my, my chart here, which went on for a little while. So that day I wrote, what fattening things I did today, April 12th, 1970. <laughs> Ate three pieces of toast this morning, ate one bag of popcorn, four sticks of gum, one pack of certs, 10 chips, two pieces of lemon roll, one bite of cookie, and a handful of sugar. <laughs> I still eat handfuls of sugar. <laughs> ate a good breakfast. Okay, these are the non fattening things I did that day. I ate a good breakfast. I tried to exercise my legs in church. <laughs> My dad was a minister, I had to be there. I rode Steve's bike full blast into the wind. And I played outside at least three to four hours. So then actually I did a little diagram of my figure with problem spots. And then I wrote down true at the bottom. So then a week went by and I did a little think page and I wrote, well... I've done some thinking, and I've come to the conclusion that maybe the reason the boys don't like me, not counting Marie Jones, David Ann, and Kirby (laughs) Ugg-Stevens, because it's because of the way I act. My figure, to tell you the truth, isn't as bad as I've made it out to be. It would be better, though. My face would be okay if it weren't for these stupid glasses. Maybe if I act a different way, they might like me. I'll try it. So then I actually didn't, that was it. It must have been successful because I didn't write anything for 10 months, and this was the final entry in my diary. Well, February 23rd, 1971. Well, summer has passed, and have I lost weight? No. (laughs) In fact, winter is almost over. I've got new glasses, my hair has grown longer, and I must say that I'm much prettier. That helps a bit, and I think more boys like me but more boys like Karen Morrison. (laughs) Why? I still weigh 122, but I've grown taller, so I've slimmed out somewhere. I do exercises almost every night, but my main problem is eating. My stomach is a bottomless pit, and I'm not the only one who's fat. Colleen is a glob, and Nancy (laughs) brags about 120 pounds. I must compliment Terry, though. She has a lovely figure. Too bad she doesn't have a face to match. (laughs) Honestly. (laughs) And then the last little piece. I'm not the only one that notices I'm fat, though. Joe Como shouted to me yesterday, Why don't you run, farmer? You might might lose some weight. You walk like a cow. I know so no more candy and sweet stuff for me thank you just the same for one whole lifetime
0: (laughs) after the show diane called in to reflect on those diary entries and to give her 12 year old self a little advice
5: You know, I think that here I am, you know, almost turning 60 and I haven't really changed much at all. Um, I really have spent the majority of my life on various diets and probably have lost, you know, hundreds of pounds, you know, over the years and gained those back. And I realized that, you know, when I look at that diary... Um, it was all about trying to change myself to be what I think people wanted me to be so that they would like me. And I guess my words to myself at this point in my life is, you know, to just be yourself, Diane. And, and the right people will like you because you are being yourself. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, your life would be much um, happier as a result.
0: Off the top of this show, we heard from Angela. She's the one who wrote an ode to Harrison Ford. But poetry wasn't the only thing Angela brought to our Ottawa show. She also shared a few diary entries from the summer just before grade 12. That was the summer she decided to keep a separate notebook for all her important and profound thoughts. Like
1: these. July 5th. Everybody wants to be in love, to find love. But they forget that love is painful, even when it's requited. One worries more when they are in love. Sure, love makes people happy. Yet the sensation of love is not altogether pleasant. It is a painful good thing, like fresh jalapeno peppers. (laughs) That makes you feel everything at once and feel alive. (laughs) July 23rd. The reason the flying carpet scene in Aladdin is so touching is that we know love itself feels like a whole new world. (laughs) Every word and image of that song applies to being in love. We fly. August 2nd. For most people, a movie is entertainment and only that. For me, a movie carries with it a message, something I personally should be getting out of it. It's another type of learning experience. Later that same day, if every movie has a message, then what was Deep Impact trying to tell me? (laughs) (laughs) August 15th. Very early in the morning, after Forrest Gump. Cool night air on my feet. Orange half moon. I miss Justin and love him even more tonight. I want to have a sleepover with my friends. (laughs) I want to run across the country. I could do that someday. I'll marry Justin someday. And I just want to say that Justin is here. Fifteen years later, I married him. (laughs)
0: Claire was in grade 8, she figured out a way to deal with the people and things in life that made her mad. Instead of losing her temper, Claire would just sit down and write a letter to whoever or whatever she was angry about. Except she never sent any of these letters. She still has them. And at our Ottawa show, Claire got on stage and shared a few letters, starting with the one she wrote to a teacher.
6: Monsieur Grenier, I am mad. I am sorry, mad is not the right word. I am furious of your behavior in the classroom, of your pervertedness, of you. I've already written in my last letter how the parents would come talking to you about your yelling, but now they have a new reason. You were staring at a female student's boobs. (laughs) Why why would you do such a thing? I don't even want to know. If you haven't already guessed, no one likes you. In conclusion, your yelling has to stop. Your pervertedness has to stop. You have to stop teaching us. Quit, get fired. (laughs) Do something to stop teaching our and the other grade eight class. I'm no longer furious now that I've written down my feelings. I'm still mad, but not furious. (laughs) Claire L. P.S. I loathe you as if you didn't already know. Okay. Dear Cameron, I hate you. (laughs) I hate it when you tell me I'm ugly or fat or dumb or even stupid. Just look in the mirror, maybe you'll realize you should be receiving those comments. And sometimes you do, but because you don't have a conscience, you don't care and you keep hurting people's feelings. If I were your mother, I would be embarrassed. I would punish myself for having you. You're an ungrateful, disgusting, dirty, ugly little snitch. (laughs) I'm not the only one who doesn't like you almost everyone doesn't like you and you won't even care that I told you so I deserve your sorry I don't know what that means these are the last words I will ever tell you after this you are no longer to use any of my school supplies these are the last words I will ever tell you and the happiest bye Cam forever and the last letter is addressed to math dear math I hate you Why are you so complicated? I don't understand the negatives and positives and why my answers are always wrong. And you make me carry a 600-page book around. Why? I don't like math. Why do I want to learn 600 pages of it? Next time, you could just be less complicated and easier. Easier! I don't know how I'm gonna pass this year with my math. My marks are okay, but I don't understand how I got there. What the heck? I could go on forever with everything I hate about you, but I will limit my anger to one page. I really don't like you, if you haven't noticed. (laughs) When I get a question wrong, I feel stupid. You make me feel stupid, and there's nothing I can do about it. My mom actually suggested Kumon. Kumon! (laughs) I know she meant well, but I'm not stupid. I can figure this out. I'll just take a while. That's all. I'm tired of lugging around the big math, this big math book. I'm tired of being confused, and I'm tired of feeling stupid. It's all very exhausting, and I don't feel up to it anymore. P.S. If you could just stop being taught altogether, that would be much easier. Thanks. Thank you.
0: What I love about that is how Claire's hatred does not discriminate. You could be a teacher, a law of the universe. (laughs) That is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids. Our show was recorded live at Yuck Yucks in Ottawa and produced by Jenna Meisner. Our music is by Poddington Bear and Lullitone. Olivia Nashmi is our intern. Olivia is also the person who helped us stream this Ottawa show on Facebook Live. If you want to see any of these readings, they are all up on Facebook. Thank you, Olivia. We have a bunch of upcoming shows in Toronto, Hamilton, Kitchener, Regina, Saskatoon, and beyond. I would love to hear the things you wrote when you were a kid for all of the details. And to find out how to sign up to read visit our website. Grownups read things they wrote as or even easier. Use the link in the show notes on your device right now. I'm Dan Meisner. Thanks for listening.